you know, checking out local apothecaries and I'd never seen those before. I, I thought those were, thought those went out of business what, in, in the medieval times, but apparently not. <laughs> no, not in Seattle. <laughs> not, not in Seattle, exactly. Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. So Parker, thanks a lot for making this happen. Um, it's Tuesday. The reason I'm saying this is I just recorded an episode before you came on and it took me three times to realize it was Tuesday. So no I'm going to be proud to say it's Tuesday. So welcome. Uh, thank you for being here. And why don't you, well, I guess I said before the button went live, we call you the tent guy. Let's hear your story. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm flattered to be to be uh, named the tent guy. I prefer to call it a pavilion for what it's worth. Uh, oh, okay, it's so tent. the pavilion guy. Sorry, we'll, it's, we'll it's a tent within a, a canvas pavilion. Okay, um, okay. Uh, but yeah, yeah. For for folks that are listening, um, my name is Parker. I'm I'm the founder and and CEO of a company called Forage. F O R I J. It's, it's the proper phonetic spelling, but. We often get fori or forich, uh, which also <laughs> sounds cool. So, so I'm, I'm in on it. Um, but yeah, I uh, I guess what Scott was referring to is I've been sleeping in my backyard in uh, in a tent under a canopy, which I refer to as the pavilion, uh, for over a year since really the beginning of COVID. Um, and that was really when um, my business started to take over my bedroom and, and I needed more of like a little bit more work-life balance, if, if you will, and, and more of just separation from what was going on. I, you know, I'd, I'd find myself waking up in, in the middle of the night at like three in the morning and my mind's racing and I'm like, well, now I have to get up and jot down my thoughts. And then I, next thing I know, I'm like working and it's like 5 a.m. and I'm like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> it wasn't great for my mental health, Scott. Um, okay. Well, that's important. That's important. You got to take care of that stuff. Yeah. So I moved out in my originally into my tents back March and we're probably on iteration nine or 10 now. I mean, I wish I could bring you back there, Scott, but I've, I've built um, like a little platform. So I've got like six inches coverage off of the ground. And then I have, you know, my, my tent structure, I've got six inches of memory foam. I've got like a nice weighted comforter, another comforter, you know, my life full pillow spread, um, and then above me, I have a 10 by 10 canopy with like siding. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I really, I stay pretty warm. You know, I slept out there all winter. It was totally fine. It's, it's more so the wind that can oh. get you. Okay. So yeah, I've been sleeping out in my tent, trying to, <laughs> trying to grow our company and leveraging, uh, my bedroom as sort of an office space. Um, and yeah, this past summer we, we brought in some additional team members, some interns from, university of washington and so they would come into the office uh and they thought it was cool that the office was, was in my old bedroom which i was like great do you think it's cool that's that's awesome <laughs> so where did you so on your website it says and i'm going to just read the first first sentence sure. it says parker olson isn't exactly a run-of-the-mill boston-based 20 something year old yeah that's <laughs> go ahead so you what brought you out to washington yeah, it's a good question. Um, yeah, so I'm from the East Coast originally. I went to school, undergraduate school at the University of Minnesota. Uh, but oh. I've kind of always been trying to push west. Um, okay. I don't know if that was just a need to like explore or or what, but I figured I would enjoy it more out here in terms of just the people and the community and outdoor things. Um, and I definitely have. So okay. I got a, you know, a job um, 
in a consulting role, in like a management consulting role out in Seattle after undergraduate back in, what would that have been, 2018? Um, and came out and, and took the role and it was okay. Um, obviously, I'm not, I'm no longer working there, but, um, but yeah, came out, came out here and, you know, didn't know anyone, um, didn't, never really, I'd been to Seattle once to interview. Um, so yeah, that, that was kind of the, the start of my journey um, there. And yeah, it's just started exploring the city and, you know, I, I'm not sure if it says it on the website there, but next, next thing I know, I'm, you know, checking out local apothecaries and I'd never seen those before. I, I thought those were, thought those went out of business what, in, in the medieval times, but apparently not. <laughs> no, not in Seattle. <laughs> not in Seattle, exactly. I'd never seen an apothecary before. Um, and yeah, I went to a class on, on adaptogens and tonics, and that's actually really where I found functional mushrooms, which, which is really what our company's based on today. Okay. Yeah. So when I think of functional mushrooms, I think of sauteed with my steak. Ooh. I mean, that, you know, but what, what do you mean by functional mushrooms? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sort of a, a developing term. I, yeah. I would think that awareness is still growing. Um, okay. But when I talk to people, right. And, and maybe it's similarly in, in your mind, I'll be curious to hear how you, what your mental construct of fungi or mushrooms are. Um, but I often hear people reference mushrooms as either, yeah, you have like portobello or if, if you know what you're talking about, you know, like masutake or chanterelles or morels or white button mushrooms or oyster mushrooms, things, yeah, you would maybe put on a steak or saute uh, mm-hmm. with butter. And then you have like psychedelic mushrooms that are just like drugs. Right. And like, there's a lot of opinions around it, right? I think you know, mm-hmm. the more progressive thinkers are thinking it's, you know, definitely can be used more medicinally. There's definitely, you know, people out there that believe that they're pretty like wild drugs and can really send you off on the wrong course. Um, mm-hmm. But that's really it. And I found that a lot of people believe that sort of construct, it's sort of this like black or white. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is, is that mushrooms, you know, are, are you know, belong under, under the fungi kingdom. And, you know, I've, I've read estimates that as, you know, as a society, right, um, we've only discovered about 9% of all um, fungi species in the world. Um, and to give you a sense, they, they think there's, I don't know, like 200 times more fungi species than plant species, you know, in, in the world. So it's it's this massive kingdom and there's really, you know, a ton of species. But, but what I'm getting at is that mushrooms, which are the fruiting bodies of fungi, um, they, they really fall on a scale, it's, it's not this black and white paradigm. It's sort of, you know, way on the left side, maybe you have these edible mushrooms that, that you would eat and they have nutritional value, right? Vitamins or protein or whatnot. And then on the way other side, you have psychedelic mushrooms that have more of these, like, I guess I'll, I'll just refer to them as uh, other, other benefits or effects. Um, mm-hmm. And so in the middle, there is a sector of mushrooms that I refer to, and I think others refer to as functional mushrooms. And so you know, some names that, that maybe you've heard, it's like lion's mane, chaga, reishi, cordyceps, turkey tail, even shiitake are showing to have some sort of these like medicinal or functional um, benefits. And, you know, you can eat really most of those um, mushrooms like chaga. You can't, you, you, you'd really have to make like a tea out of chaga because it's really like hard, sort of like a, like a wood bark. Um, but like lion's mane, for example, is really delicious, you know, still has like awesome protein value, et cetera, but, but they've been shown and and there's lots of studies that are being done and have been done, 
um, to show that they have additional benefits as well. So, so they fall under this category in my mental construct, at least under this like functional category. So added benefits outside of like nutrition or, or vitamin contents. Okay. Yeah. So you, you stumbled upon this because of a class mm-hmm. and yeah. well, first off you stumble on it cause you went to an apocalypse. Say the Bacchary, word for me. Yeah. Help me out. Help me out. Thanks. Um, no, anyway, and you, you hadn't been to one of those before and then you end up at this class, your, your awareness has expanded mm-hmm. and you've gone down the rabbit hole, I guess we'll call it that of all of these benefits that these fungi can offer us. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of it, right? They, they served a tea that, that had the reishi mushroom that I referenced in it. And mm-hmm. I really was not a believer in some of these functional ingredients. I was still kind of skeptical on CBD. I often compare the functional mushrooms to like, they can have effects similar to how CBD can have effects on your body. Okay. Um, and they served this reishi tea and I didn't know what was in it. Just thought it was a tea. And about 10 minutes after I started drinking it, I realized I was just like super calm. I describe oh. it as, as this like Zen high. I like, like I'm pretty high wired. I'm like, I like have a need to be productive all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very like calming, but in sort of like an energizing way, like I just felt very like content and focused on what was going on in, in this class. And I asked, I was like, what's in this? And she's like, Oh, like we'll get to that in a couple of minutes, but there's, there's, there's this functional mushroom, Reishi and goji berry. And like, it may have a calming effect. And I was like, Holy shit. It's like, excuse my language. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this oh, is you're cool. <laughs> I was like, this, okay. this, is, this is interesting. Like now, now I'm interested. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's kind of spiraled out of control, but you know, similar, you know, around that same time frame when I moved out here, I had mentioned, you know, didn't know anyone and I'd never been out here. So I had a lot of time on my hands. So I was doing this thing where every single month I tried a different diet and then just see how it would affect my body. So I did it for about 18 months. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that was just like for fun the first couple months. And then I was like, okay, I almost became addicted to this like subtle challenge of like, okay, typically for me, it was, it was the first 17 days were really tough. And then after that it became much easier and I would see like the impacts of like how a different, um, you know, sort of like nutritional regimen or just any general regimen would be affecting me. So on one of those, after I learned about, you know, functional mushrooms, I went off of coffee and I started just drinking like basically mushroom powder. So that's just uh, quackery. Qu- coffee is like the perfect food group. It is, it, you know, since <laughs> I have my umpteen cup for the day, uh, I love coffee. Good. I couldn't, I can't I imagine. Okay. Yeah, I do too. And, and so that, that was for me, I was like, this will be interesting. So it was definitely tough at first. And then I noticed like, was feeling awesome. I definitely was crashing way less, was sleeping a lot better. Um, really? But, you know, transparently, and, and, you know, at that point I was drinking yeah, a couple cups a day, but I, I love coffee. Uh, as well. So after the month was over, I kind of went back to drinking coffee, but I really enjoyed the effects I was seeing from these functional mushrooms. I wanted to kind of keep them in my life. Um, so I went and I looked on the market and there were a lot of these, you know, functional mushroom powders on the market. They, they had this really like earthy flavor. So there are other products that, that are like functional mushroom coffee. So it actually combines like basically instant coffee with this mushroom powders, but it still didn't taste great. There's sort of these like tea alternatives that also didn't, it was just sort of like earthy where like you can drink it a couple times, but you're not like looking forward in the morning, you know, like I look forward in the morning to have a cup of coffee. Right. Um, and so for me, I started, um, taking these uh, like basically hyperpotent extracts of, of these functional mushrooms. And I put them in my oatmeal in the morning, like a really healthy oatmeal. Um, so I was kind of still getting those benefits, but I was still able to enjoy my, my cup of coffee. 
So and did you notice, was it, to interrupt you, but did you yeah. notice the same benefits when it was in the oatmeal as when you were drinking it as a coffee? Okay, so you did. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. When when I went off of coffee, I was just drinking it with like no caffeine. Um, and so I was more so just seeing like, they're definitely like, like the benefits when I like had just started were, were way more apparent because I was like, I was taking relatively higher doses. Um, and I would say like, like the biggest thing now for me is, you know, now because I sort of, you know, I, I supplement with them all the time and, and our products are based off of these extracts. Um, mm-hmm. I've found that I really just haven't gotten sick since I started supplementing. And, and you'll, you'll read about that. People will say once, once they started supplementing with, with functional mushrooms, they, they no longer get sick. Um, now, do I believe that it's like, hey, if you ever want to get sick again, take these? No. But it's, it's simply, uh, you know, something that I've, that I've correlated, I'll, I'll say. So maybe it's a, a, a better first line of defense than that's not. yeah, that, that's kind of how I think about it. Um, okay. So, so yeah, you know, I started putting it in my oatmeal and then, you know, created a granola product and, you know, similarly around this time when I was just like creating what our, really the initial product was, I signed up, um, you know, I had sort of gone past 18 months of one month diets and I kind of wanted something a bit broader, you know, sort of like a longer training, if you will, right. Instead of a month. And so I signed up for my first half Ironman. Um, and that's how I got into Ironman training was more of just this need to like, I don't know, put myself through misery for a certain amount of time for, for (laughs) delayed gratification. (laughs) Well, there's, look, there's, there's a lot to be said about delayed gratification. I don't know that, you know, I don't know that an Ironman is Landing on tees, but okay. We, I, we, I want to talk about your Ironman stuff a little bit. We'll get to that, but okay. So, um, but I want to ask. So, you, so for yeah. eighteen months, you tried eighteen different diets. Yes. So the first twelve were all food based, and mm-hmm. then and then I got into. So you'll love this. One of the one of the like diets because I, I sort of shifted into a lifestyle change mm-hmm. was I slept outside for a month, and so okay. I had done that before I moved into my tent permanently and really enjoyed it. So I, I did that for a month, um, you know, like meditated for a month, um, mm-hmm. or some other ones that I did that there were just like different tweaks I would make to like my daily habits and then see what sort of impact it would cause. So let's, let's go, let me ask you this, this question, both good and bad. Mm-hmm. So of those 18 month experiments, yeah, what was the worst? Mm-hmm. Like, like what was like, Oh, this, this just sucked. Yeah. And what was the best? Yeah. So the worst one and, you know, so it was also in the winter. So I, I wonder sometimes of like how, how the seasons planned this a little bit, but uh, mm-hmm. gluten-free was really tough for, for, for everybody who has celiac disease, like God bless your soul. Um, <laughs> I don't know if, if it was just me, but I really struggled with, with gluten-free and I, and I found myself like I would wake up in the middle of the night and be hungry and, and maybe I just wasn't eating appropriately when I, when I went off of gluten, but I found that to mm-hmm. be really challenging. Okay. Um, so gluten was, gluten was tough. How about what, yeah. what was the one that you kind of said, you know, if I had to pick one of these, mm-hmm. I'd go with this, you know, what would you, what would you yeah. have stuck with? And, and I'll, and I'll just quickly add a caveat of, I, I really enjoyed some of the months on many of the diets. However, sure. I don't think a lot of them were sustainable for, for me or in general. So like the whole 30, once I got into like seven day 17 of eating whole 30, like it was tough to eat whole 30, but I would just eat like the exact same thing. And I like was feeling awesome. And like, I legitimately needed less sleep to operate. Like I was sleeping less and feeling great, um, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't sustainable. So for me, like the ones that, that are really sustainable that I found to be really awesome was 
I did 100% whole food ingredients, so like whole foods, and that one was awesome. Kind of, kind of a no brainer there. And then also, mm-hmm. when I was eating vegetarian, I felt really, really awesome as well. Okay. Um, and so, so those were the two. Um, and so, for, like, also, so forage today, like one of our pillars is like we focus on whole food ingredients. Okay. Um, so, like, so like anything we include in in our you know in our packages and our granolas today, like like you'll recognize the ingredient, or it'll be a functional mushroom that you maybe you're learning about, but it will still be a like something you could arguably forage for or harvest from the ground. Okay. Um, so, well, all right, let's, let's go. Okay. Backtrack just a little bit. So you, you're, sure. you had the, that first cup of tea, you're, you're in the mm-hmm. class, you're being enlightened. What brought you to taking the functional mushrooms in blending them into granola? What's the, how, yeah. how did you transition there? Yeah, so I had this awesome experience. And so functional mushrooms fall under this basically Eastern medicine category of adaptogens, right? And I mentioned this class was on adaptogens or tonics and just a little mm-hmm. bit of background there. So adaptogens are a category of, um, you know, foods basically or, or ingredients or, or raw, um, raw goods that basically help your body adapt to stressors. So adaptogens adapt, right? Um, and so they can sort of support, they basically support your, your body through, through this, through the, the three standard stages of stress. Um, so I'm going to blank on them now. Like one of them is like resistance. Um, one of them is exhaustion and there's a third one, but these, these are basically scientifically proven phases that your body goes through, you know, that, that your body's been trained to, you know, maybe like you see a tiger when you're a Neanderthal or today, like your, your boss, like emails you like, like your, your body and your heart rate will go through these like three initial stages. Okay. Um, so anyways, you know, I, I basically started getting pretty into these functional mushrooms and I wanted to try other ones cause, just because I had had such a great experience. And, you know, then next thing I know, I asked the teacher and was like, hey, where would be the best place to source these? Because that was something that the teacher mentioned. She says, you know, a lot of people will try ingredients like these and they think that they're a sham because they'll purchase them. They'll be like, oh, I'm going to try and purchase something a little bit less expensive because I'm trying it. And they'll, they'll purchase them basically where they haven't really been sourced very well and, and it isn't like great quantities or potency of, of the ingredients and then they won't have a good experience and then they'll be like oh this is a sham okay so i started um going to an apothecary up in ballard i actually it's it's since closed it was the botanical garden apothecary and started sourcing my own and trying different functional mushrooms and i would be like all right i'm gonna do this for a couple of weeks see what i like see what i don't like you know what's going on and doing more research in terms of a lot of the studies that had been done in terms of benefits that they have um Next thing I know, um, I joined the Puget Sound Mycological Society, which is our local mushroom club. Started getting really into mushroom foraging. I, I sat on the board of the Puget Sound Mycological Society for, for two years. Um, and then, you know, as mentioned, when I started training for this half Ironman, I was like, I need to optimize my diet. So, so that's where I sat down, kind of looked at the previous 18 months and I said, okay, you know, it's whole food ingredients that, that, that I think will be able to be sustainable for me and functional mushrooms. And, and that's what I want to start building into my diet. And, and so that's really where I started with this oatmeal. And then that turned into a granola that was more like on the go or that I could kind of bring around or like before training, after training, I didn't have to like prepare. And so mm-hmm. that was sort of like the progression of, of the concepts. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're going to pause and we're going to talk about your Ironman. We're going to come back to this. <laughs> cool. come, but let's, so First off, what was the, what was the inspiration to be crazy? 
Sorry. Um, you know, to, to train for a, for a half Ironman. Yeah. I think it was, it was just a need to, to, to be challenged. Like, like okay. the monthly dieting had, it was like, Oh, like you're like, you can do things that, that, that you thought were hard. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was a need for like something greater than, than what I already been doing. So how long did you train before you attempted your first half? Yeah. Um, so I started training really in like, like February, March of last year. And then I raced it in August timeframe. So what is that? Like six months, six months. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how was the actual event? Was it, it it was horrible. (laughs) Okay. Specifically, what was the worst part of it? Yeah. So, um, so, so all the actual Ironman events got canceled because of COVID. And so I raced with some of my friends on our own Mm -hmm. and so it's unaided and I would, I didn't, you know, I thought I was taking my nutrition seriously, but I didn't, you know, consume enough calories or in particular sodium while I was in the bike portion. So, so the half Ironman event, you swim 1.2 miles, you bike 65, 62, and then you run 13.1. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it's pretty bad. It's so, but it's really important, obviously, to be like consuming calories throughout the day and like throughout the race because you can't just like fuel ahead of time and then like, you know, perform off of that. So, um, what happened to me, mile nine of the run is um, I bonked, which is there, it's a term that basically refers to when your body runs out of salt reserves. And mm-hmm. so, salt reserves are, are um, um, salts are basically what power your neurons to like fire and like control your muscles. And so when you run out of salts in your body, your muscles start to, your neurons start to fail basically and your muscles start to fail. So like mile nine, I like could no longer run, like was walking and like would continuously try and run. And like, you just can't, you like can't run, like, like was losing control of my body and like was starting to, to get lightheaded and you know, it was, it was bad. Uh, and, and then, you know, I ended up walking the last three miles, but. But you completed it. We did complete it. It was, it was pretty miserable those last three miles. Um, but we did complete it. Mm-hmm. Will you do another one? Well, so when they canceled the event, they said, Hey, we're not going to give you your money back. Cause the half Ironman is a $400 race and right. the full Ironman's an $800 race. And my friends and I were thinking, okay, if we ever want to do an Ironman, this would maybe be the time because we could apply that $400 to a full Ironman race and it's COVID. So like you have a lot of time, like you can train. And so kind of without thinking about it, and it was actually before the half Ironman race, we signed up for the full Ironman, which is now in in late June. And so if you had talked to me the day after the half Ironman, I was pretty upset. I was like, this, that was horrible. I don't want to do this again. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, as I recovered, I definitely was, you know, we getting excited. We're, we're in week nine of, out of 20 weeks of training. Um, it's pretty bad. It's pretty miserable, but, uh, we're still, still excited about it. overall. So where is this, where's this Ironman that you're going to be participating in? Yeah, I'm doing the, the Coeur d'Alene Ironman. So okay. it's, it's, I think it's the weekend of like June 25th. Um, I've only been to Coeur d'Alene once, but it's, it's gorgeous. So definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, no, it is, it's very pretty over there. What, what yeah. a great place to ruin by swimming, running, and <laughs> I know I'll probably never want to go back. <laughs> but at the same time, so are you training better this time? 
Yeah. So trying to definitely trying to focus more on, on nutrition, um, and just be more like, you know, you definitely learn from, from the first time and they say that. So I'm glad that that first experience happened. And so now like I'm, more carefully looking at like basically I think about it as like hydration, nutrition, and then salts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whenever I'm out training every, you know, I try and hydrate about every half hour in like a couple Mm -hmm. sips of water or like, um, you know, some sort of like energy, not energy drink. I I try and stay pretty natural, but like something with electrolytes in it that isn't have sugar in it. Um, and then nutrition, right. So it's like consume, I try and consume calories about every hour and a half. Um, okay. and it depends on what sort of segment of the race you're in or how long you're going of what exactly you'd be consuming of whether you want sort of like short, um, fast firing carbohydrates or like longer burn carbohydrates and then salts. So like I'm paying way more attention of like, okay, if I'm going to be training for this long, I need to be like consuming X amount of salts or electrolytes, um, every so often. Okay. I, I tip my cap to you. And shake my head at the same time. I just, it's (laughs) people that participate in these things are, it's amazing to me what, what you're going to accomplish. First off, it's a huge accomplishment. (laughs) And at the same time, well, no, you're going to do it. We're going to be, we're going to be, we're going to think positive. You're going to do it. (laughs) And at the same time, what you're willing to put yourself through. I mean, it's just, wow. I mean, that's cool. Yeah. And, you know, for me as well, right. So like starting my own company, it's like, there's so many challenges and it's so like difficult and frustrating all frequently, um, mm-hmm. where I found that, you know, training with such intensity, right. Cause it, it's, it's like a four or five month commitment of like six days a week. Um, Saturday, Sundays are the worst. So it's not like you get a lot of free time outside of like the work week, but mm-hmm. I found it to be really nice where it's like, you've just been working all week and like, you're getting crushed or like all day but you, mm-hmm. but like you force yourself to go work out and you, you don't really want to go work out, but it's nice because you've blocked the time. And then when you're working out, you're not thinking about work, but when you're working, you're not thinking about working out. So, so just because they're both so intense in their own manner, I found them to like pair quite well. Uh, cause they sort of take my mind off of the other. Okay. And who knows? Maybe I'm oh. just justifying that in my own mind, Scott, who knows? We'll never know, but <laughs> Well, look, at the end of the day, you're going to complete this thing. If you sign up for another one, you know, that's on you. And it's, it's very cool. Don't I, I, I'm giving you a hard time, but really, honestly, I think it's, it's pretty amazing that you're, you're willing to do this while running your own company on top of it, because as everybody knows, running a company is the easiest thing that you can do in the world. There's never any problems. Everything goes perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know, you just sit back and it just happens. Right. Exactly. Okay. So, so no, it doesn't. Where did you, so you've been experimenting, you've been learning. Mm -hmm. What, what was the inspiration to start Forage? Yeah. Yeah. So I think back to, you know, when I started doing this dieting and I think part of the dieting for me was that I had just graduated college. I'm very like independent. You know, I, I like to think I'm, I'm non unconventional, um, person. And so, but I just joined a very like structured job, you know, was, there's a lot of expectations, but you're very like, for lack of a better term, essentially like, a, I don't know, slaves, not, not the right word. Cause it, there's a lot of, you know, tabooness about it, but you're, you're essentially like, you just do what everybody else tells you to do. And you're part of the structure and, and you just kind of fit in. And, and I think that was very like, 
upsetting to me. So I needed to do something that was more my own speed. And I had always wanted to start my own company. And so I think that's what, you know, initially got me into this dieting was like, I needed to like do something that was sort of like revolting against the game or the system. Okay. Um, and so then, you know, as I'm working through this, I had been looking at starting other companies, with different ideas since I was dieting. So I, this may be funny. I was working on a reversible pant concept. I actually have a couple of prototypes, uh, still, but like a okay. pant concept that you could wear one way and then you could turn them inside out and wear them the other inside out. Okay. Um, that was one concept. There were a bunch of others. And so, um, really the, the trigger though, for me was, you know, I was working and I, and I was working on this recipe more so for myself and, and like, I would bring it into the office and let people try it. And I was trying to like, make it really good more so just to like, I don't know, it was just like fun to try and build something that other people thought was cool. Mm-hmm. And my friend dragged me to this startup conference in San Francisco called HustleCon. And it was more so for us to hang out. He lives in New York and he was coming out and I was like, yeah, I'll go with you. We can hang out. And so when you're at those things, you know, everybody, everybody's kind of got like an angle, you know, <laughs> and everyone's like, Oh, like what, like I'm working on this. Like, what are you working on? And at first I was like, nothing. Like I'm just here to hang out with my buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, every, like people lose interest really quickly. And right. so then I was like, well, you know, I'm working on this like functional mushroom food product. There's nothing like it in space because that was also true. Like I, that, that was a need of mine. I was looking for like something to consume functional mushrooms with where I couldn't, you know, taste it. And, and it was really part of like a well, like balanced nutrition item, right. superfood, if you will. So I started to say that and people were, some people were like, I don't know what that is. And then other people were like, oh, that's really interesting. Mushrooms are really like hot right now and they're kind of exploding. And so a couple angel investors were like, send me your pitch deck. And I was like, sure thing. Send it to you right when I get home. <laughs> and, so, and so of course I didn't have anything. I didn't even have like a name. There, there wasn't a, like a form, final, finalized concept. So I went home, went on to like one of the freelancer websites, got like a, a, a logo <laughs> designed and like put together a you know, PowerPoint deck in like three days and I was working with some people at work who I trusted on it. And I was like, hey, can you just help me put something together that like looks kind of legit? And I'm going to send it to these guys. And, you know, I sent it out and we chatted and there was starting to be some engagement where I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, like people who like start companies think that this could be a real company. Like, I'm just going to start acting like that while we're engaging. So, you know, then I started going to local cafes and was like, hey, I have this like really innovative mushroom, functional mushroom products, like granola product. Do you want to sell it in your cafe? And then, you know, like some cafes were like, yeah, like, let me try it. And they're like, oh, this is really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll bring this on. And, and so that, that was more of like the natural progression, but it was really that like trigger of like somebody else who I thought, who I, in my mind, thought was like legitimate was like, this is cool. Um, so that, that was really like the, the initial push for me. Okay. Well, so when you're, when you're making granola for yourself, you're making it at home, right? Mm-hmm. You, you didn't have a commercial kitchen or... You're making it at home. Yeah. When you started going to the cafes, you had a production challenge. I'm going to guess they're all Indeed. of a sudden you're like, Oh, how do I, how do yeah. I scale this to serve a cafe? So how'd you navigate that? Yeah. So, so I was still working full time and, and I worked full time for about a year while I was like slowly iterating on and just like trying different mm-hmm. things. And so, yeah, I was, was making it out of my cafe or my kitchen, but obviously that wasn't going to work um, and fly. And so then there, there's a local cafe on my street. And so I just walked to the cafe and was like, hey, you guys have ovens, right? And they were like, yeah. 
I was like, um, like, like, could I, could I use the ovens to, to make this granola thing that I'm working on? And they were like, sure. And so then I just started renting this space for like a hundred dollars a month and I could use it after 5 PM, like Monday through Friday. Oh, wow. So then I would go in there and, um, my, my roommate's sister at the time, she's like a really talented baker. And so she helped really helped me like work on the recipe and she would, she would come in and help and I would essentially pay her. And, and, you know, she, she's, she's got ownership in the company now cause she's, she's, she develops our recipes. Um, okay. you know, really, really like a co-founder if you will. So started operating out of this cafe and there were pizza ovens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Took a while to figure out how to not burn the granola. Uh, right. Yeah. So started there and then, you know, that, that was sort of the next phase for us. So did, did any of the angel investors ever, uh, yeah, good question. So all those kind of fizzled, like it was sort of like, Hey, I'll introduce you to this person or I think this would be really cool. And then it just kind of like fizzled out. But mm-hmm. at that point there was like enough, like, like for me, I was like, Ooh, this is interesting. And like, I can like go and like sell this as a concept to people. And like, you know, mm-hmm. like I was pretty clueless. So I was like, okay, great. Like everything's going to be awesome. Like I know exactly how we're going to do this. We'll sell this to this, these cafes. Everyone's going to want to buy it. Like sweet. Like I'm just going to keep doing this and then, then we'll make enough money and I'll be able to like pay myself and I'll quit my job. That's great. Mm -hmm. Obviously that's not how things work. Um, What? (laughs) And yeah, but, but my brother works in the food industry. Okay. He's, he works in the supply chain. He he's he's an ancient grain and, and seed specialist. He basically helps build like global supply chains around like specific niche grains or seeds. It's, it's oh, cool. wow. Yeah, okay. we used to make fun of him for going into agriculture, and then he like he actually has a pretty cool job now. Um, yeah. So, anyways, I was telling him, I was like, hey, like, like I'm making this granola. Like, like what what ingredients should I use? Like, what's cool? And he's like, oh, this is, this is interesting. And like, kind of at first thought it was a joke. And then like a month later, I'd still be calling him and he'd be like, all right, like Parker's like, I know because I get stuck on things and then I'm just like, need to like keep going at it. And so he told his boss about it and his boss is really like, his boss loves like things that are out there. And so we started chatting with his boss and I would like show him and I was like, I like told his boss, I moved into my tent and he was like, what the? He was like, he's like, this is badass. He's like, this is cool. <laughs> and at that point, his boss was like, all right, like, I know you're in it. Like, like you're going to need some money. Like I'll, I'll give you some, some kind of like initial money. And so he, okay. like his boss and him kind of invested. Um, well, great. Yeah. So that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. They got in though. They got in at a good time for a good price for sure. Um, okay. And so, yeah, that, that was like, okay, now we have money. And that was last March. And then we hired some interns and then we kind of started building a brand around it and started, you know, developing a better strategy, started building out advisors, you know, bringing on more of team members, et cetera. So I love, uh, so I want to ask a question. So what, what hasn't gone right? Like, has there been like, you, you thought, Oh, I'm going to do this and this is going to be, you know, I, you know, whatever yeah. this might be. And then it just, it didn't work. Has yeah. there been anything like that for you in the startup phase? Yeah. yeah it's, it's pretty much every day. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like originally, you know, when I, when I put together a brand in like eight hours, the original, con- the original name was mind and body organics, which was just horrible. 
And okay. so that was like, oh, this is so cool. It's like stuff for your mind and body and it'll all be organic. And like, this is great. And like, everybody was like, this is the stupidest thing ever. But I was like, had my ego involved to a degree. And then, so at that point, like at one point we had to go through a rebranding, right? Our original okay. product, um, it had labels that said like hundred percent whole food ingredients and medicinal mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And so everybody thought that they were psychedelic mushrooms. And so gotcha. we were selling to this vendor out of Washington called keep your city smiling. Have you heard of them? I have not. Oh, they would be awesome to go on this show. Yeah. Okay. Look, keep your city smiling. Okay. They, they were originally like a vendor, like, um, photo booth company and then COVID hit and all their events got canceled. They were relatively larger in the region and like they, their you know, re- revenue or future revenue went like literally to zero. And so right. they pivoted and, and they made these like localized boxes for Seattle and then they like scaled and they actually like completely pivoted their, you know, their concept and like stayed above water. It was really cool. They had like a, they had okay. like 12 staff members, you know? Um, so we were selling to these like subscription boxes and they like, you know, everything was great. They like loved our product. And then they were like, Hey, we have this really big order. And it was like, it was like a big deal. It was like a thousand units or something. Like, can you put these together? And we like, you know, struggled, but like put a thousand units together in like two weeks. And then the buyer called me and was like, Hey, like the day before the buyer called me, was like, Hey, the, you know, I talked to the person who was buying these and they specifically called out your product and were like, what are you trying to get our staff high, like medicinal mushrooms? And then they were like, we can no longer work with you. And we had like just spent all this time, like making all these units and like we got cut and, and it was pretty like heart, heart blowing. Um, yeah. So there's always stuff like that going on, you know, <laughs> See, here's the thing. I, what, what I, why I like to ask that question of people is oftentimes out of that, ad, that adversarial situation, we learn something really very cool. Yeah. At least that's why I keep trying to tell myself when I fall down on my face that I yeah. learned something very cool, but we, you know, we always learn something. Yeah. I, so I, or keep, keep going. So I, that's why, you know, I, I like that's in, so what did you end up? So you had a thousand units, which is a lot of production for you at that yeah. time. So, uh, yeah. That was around the time where, where we were like starting to think about a rebrand, but yeah, we were still kind of selling and like we would, you know, we were in like the local co-op and some local stores and we would sell online um, mm-hmm. but we ended up donating most of that cause we went through a rebrand. We like got okay. some real packaging cause all that was just sort of like crafts, like standard packaging with labels and didn't look great. And so we actually got like ordered some real packaging. And so we actually ended up donating like several hundred pounds of granola to, to a couple of the food banks around the city. Um, okay. and that was part of it. So it, it was cool. Like, you know, kind of is what it is. Um, right. you know, it's pretty upsetting at first, but I, I really like your point there. And the question I think is super valid and, when I talk to people or, or all of, you know, people reach out and be like, man, you know, how do I like do what you did or prepare or something? Or like, what'd you do? And the reality is like, there, there really isn't a good answer. It's not a great question. However, I do think that if you're going to be starting your own company or, or go into something that is risky or just like, you know, you're, you're putting a lot on the line and you're going to be failing a lot. I think the best thing you can do is, is basically like prime yourself to get ready to fail and like adapt and, and changes and pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. So f- like for me, I look back on like a lot of the dieting or the half Ironman or even the Ironman training where it's like, things are horrible. And like, I just like, it's awful. But like, I, I continue to think it, it like grows my comfort zone of like how much failure mm-hmm. or overwhelming I can manage without like collapsing. 
Um, right. So when people ask that, I, I just tell them, I'm like, I'm like, what can you do to like put yourself out of your comfort zone and like, you know, ha- force yourself to adapt or like, you know, change things as frequently as possible and get really comfortable doing that. Right. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's cliched, but fail fast, mm-hmm. you know, because you know, you're going to. So, yes. But as I'm, so bouncing around on your website, which is something I do every time I'm talking to people, cool. you've got some pretty cool things here. You're, you're donating 1% for the planet. Yeah. You've got, you've got some, uh, you're, you're trying to get your 25% less carbon emissions. You've got B Corp sourcing. Yeah. Sustainable packaging. You know, you're, you're doing a lot of things here to ensure that what you're bringing to the market is done in a. Eco-friendly or sustainable. Or- yeah. Eco- thank you. Thank you for helping me with words. Eco-friendly, eco-friendly. And you know, why don't we walk through these, the 1% for the planet? Sure. What are you guys, how are you guys doing that? What are you doing with that specific thing? Yeah. So, yeah. So one, you know, that was early on, you know, we talked about, you know, what, what were our values going to be and we wanted, you know, sort of environmentally focused to be part of it. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, when you think about that, you think about what are different ways you can do that. 1% for the planet was a program I've seen around. I've seen other products do other products that I respect or companies that I think are cool. And so basically what, what 1% for the planet is, is it's like a, it's kind of like an umbrella corporation. And so they basically facilitate transactions between brands and nonprofit organizations that are, you know, that are, uh, that have environmental focuses. So they basically say, Hey, you know, you sign on with us, you pay a pretty like nominal fee of just like being part of the group. And then, Mm -hmm. and then you send them basically like your, um, your, you know, profit and loss statement each year. And they say, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, this is how much, you know, you, you, you you're, basically required to donate uh, by being part of this brand. And, and they have all of these associated um, nonprofits that they vet and sort of make sure that all the funds are being used appropriately, et cetera, that, that then you can, you know, you can either align with one of them. You can decide to donate to a broad pool where, where they say we're, we're, you know, 1% for the planet, the actual organization will select, you know, groups they think are really in need um, or, or you can donate to a couple different ones. So it's sort of is up to um, the brand itself, but we thought it was awesome. And, I don't know. There's so many great nonprofits that are associated. Um, last year, you know, we sort of did a broad um, donation and you know allowed one percent for the planet to, to take the proceeds. And I think that they donated for there were some fish, um, some um, salmon focused um, nonprofits in, in the PNW that they donated to. But we're yeah, you know, we'd love to kind of get more closely aligned with with some organizations there. But it's it's awesome, easy to set up. I would totally recommend to other companies out there as well. Very cool. And then, so, uh, naked sprouted oats. Yeah. Um, what are, first off, what are naked sprouted oats? <laughs> Let's help me with yeah, that. And sure. then, um, we'll talk about how, it, how about that partner mm-hmm. is doing, you know, their emissions. Yeah. So, so my brother, the company that he works for, they source this naked sprouted oat. And so we found this ingredient through them. And basically okay. what, what that means, right? So, so sprouted, a sprouted oat, it's, it's something that, that is sprouted. And basically like, like in layman's terms, how I th- like to think about sprouted things is, is that they're actually more like bioavailable. So if you were to look at like a sprouted oat versus a, a standard oat, there may not be a ton difference, you know, different from a nutrition uh, standpoint, but, but like studies show that like your body's actually going to be able to absorb way more of, of that nutrition than it would have a standard oat. So you see like okay. sprouted seeds typically like and you'll notice that if you were to like, you know, eat a sprouted oat in an oatmeal versus a normal oat over time, you would probably notice you'd be getting more energy and like be full for longer uh, with a sprouted oat. Okay. 
Um, and then naked, this, this is kind of like a newer term, um, but naked means that it's actually grown without a hull. So oats, right? There's typically this like hull on the outside and the oats on the inside. And so mm-hmm. these, uh, these naked oats are, are grown without a hull. And so what, what that actually allows them to do is that, is that they actually have a higher protein content, um, a lower carb content. Um, okay. and, uh, in harvesting practices, it doesn't require like the machinery and the manpower, et cetera, to actually remove the hull. So, so th- they're, they're like way more sustainably sourced, um, and harvested. Okay. Um, so, you know, instead of like, uh, oat being harvested and then sent to one manufacturer to, to, to de-hull and then to another place to, to actually sit and then like be processed and sold, these are just harvested, sent there, processed, and sold. And so you're actually cutting out not only that middle process, but also the transportation costs associated with it. Um, so they yeah. partnered with, I think it was like Sloan. I forget. Is that, is that University of Chicago or one, one of the MBA programs? I, th- I think it was I think it was Northwestern's. Is Sloan. Okay. Yeah. I think that's Sloan. And Sloan did a study in terms of like how much, you know, more environmentally friendly is this process than a standard process. And they found it was about 25%. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Less, less carbon emissions from, from, from using a naked oat. So it's not only like Very cool. more nutritionally potent, but it's also more sustainable. Um, so that's yeah. Great. Yeah. So we use that oat today. It's been, you know, really awesome. We have found that it's really hard to, you know, explain that to people. So we're still struggling there and we, we are, you know, we are thinking about, you know, if, if, if that's going to be part of our identity moving forward or not. Um, so it's, it's up in the air, but it's super cool out. Um, and, and for what it does, I just wish more people kind of knew about it and it was like better understood and, and more widely available. Cause there's also a supply chain issue there that we don't have to go into, but. Sure. Well, with COVID, so there's supply chain issues everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. I'm going to guess that a lot of our listeners don't understand what a B Corp is. Yeah. And you guys source a lot of your ingredients from a, yeah. from a company that advertises a B Corp. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So we source, I think it's about 80% of our ingredients from, from, from B Corp sourcers. So B Corp, uh, it's certification. Think of like a, an organic certification, right. That a company can get, mm-hmm. um, and really, it's 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 kind of the gold standard in the market for sustainability practices. So, it from what I understand, becoming B Corp certified can take over a year, and it's pretty expensive process. And you know, depending on how large you are for the timing, um, mm-hmm. but it's a pretty expensive process. And the the B Corp certification board or team will do like a full audit of the company, like everything from sourcing ingredients all the way through manufacturing, packaging, you know, transporting, et cetera. And they basically look to see, and, and they, and they rank you against their benchmarks of like, how sustainable are your efforts? And like, are you just selecting the the lowest cost supplier or like the lowest cost distributor? Or are you like actually focused on how that's going to impact the environment? And, and so they have like really high standards. It's, it's pretty difficult to get B Corp certified. Um, it's sort mm-hmm. of this like, stamp of approval that says, Hey, like we've done all this vetting, all this auditing. And the, this company does a really great job in terms of accounting for the environment. Um, so it's, it's an awesome sort of certification to look out for. I, I think that would be awesome in our future. It's a little bit like cost prohibitive right now for us. Um, mm-hmm. definitely, you know, really, really cool, um, certificate. But you're taking, but you're also taking, but you're, you're buying from a B Corp. So mm-hmm. you're, you're, 
contributing to that reduced footprint. Right. That, that's not, the, that's sort of the theory. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then your, your packaging is, is labeled as sustainable. What, what is it you're doing about the packaging that is, you know, I see that you got to drop it off at your store, but what is, mm-hmm. what's special about the packaging? Yeah. So our packaging is recyclable. Um, so I okay. say that with an asterisk, right? Be- because it's, it's recyclable. I, I believe it's the recycling number five, maybe, but it, it, you can't actually recycle it in your home recycling bin, which is a bummer. Okay. Like you, you, you have to drop yeah. it off. And, and most grocery stores have, you know, these bins where it's like, you can drop off what's referred to as like in-store drop-off recycling programs. Um, okay. and so yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, like in theory and our, you know, our thought was like, okay, you know, if we're going to be environmentally sustainable, we want to be making decisions that will help us get to that point. This isn't a perfect solution. You know, there aren't really, you know, great solutions on the market for, for resealable packages that, that you can recycle in home. Um, mm-hmm. They're getting there um, or, or compostable. I think that would be the ideally what we would use, but they typically are not keeping product fresh or they puncture really easily. Um, so you'd have a ton of issues. Um, so yeah, we decided to go with this recyclable package and it's awesome. Um, and like, I really like the the ethos behind it. We, you know, transparently, Scott, I think we're, we're thinking about moving away from it. Um, okay. and, and actually switching more towards working with a program that looks at, at your waste and then actually you actually pay for them to upkeep plastic and waste, you know, globally, like two times the amount. So you become waste negative, but, and there's, okay. but there's an actual real impact versus assuming the consumer will bring your packages in store. Um, so I, I try and call about, you know, 10 customers a week um, or talk with people. I'll just wait in stores. And I found, mm-hmm. you know, under 1% of people even like will know or, or recognize what our really, what our pack, like how to recycle our package or that it's recyclable at all. So we're afraid okay. that, you know, while in theory, it's, it's a great idea you know, people may just be putting our package in their normal recycling bin and then essentially like um, tainting that entire recycling load. And so in theory, it's awesome, but we're not sure the impact is, is really occurring there. Fair enough. And that's, you know, that's the, that's an unfortunate I know. thing. So currently you have two varieties of granola. Mm-hmm. And I like your, you can't decide, buy both. I, Trouble to say, I like that. I just like, that's pretty cool. Trouble to say, get them both. I like that. But what is kind of the difference between the Energize and the Recover? Yeah. So early on. Is, when, that, is that where the functional mushrooms kick in? Is that yeah. the, the variable? Yeah. So, and, and I will also preface where we're actually like are pivoting um, on this a little bit, but I'll, I'll, okay. ex- I'll explain the, the original theory and then findings behind it. So okay. when we were, you know, originally selling our product, there was a broad blend of functional mushrooms. And, you know, I think a lot of people were like, well, Hey, like, you know, what specific benefit does this have? And it was like, well, we're using this broad blend. There there are these, these different benefits, but I think for like a lot of people or we kind of got the indication that it was like, Hey, like it'd be maybe more easily understandable if if there are more specific benefits tied. So we switched to this product offering where there's like an energized product and a recover product. And they're the exact same fundamental ingredients, right. Of like, whole food ingredients. And then they just have different functional mm-hmm. mushroom extracts tuned to like help you energize or, or recover. Um, and we landed right. on, on those two um, because we asked consumers basically like, hey, you know, when do you eat granola? Um, and we found that, you know, about 60% uh, consumers are eating it or 60 or 70% were eating it for breakfast and about like 30 or 40 would eat it as like maybe an afternoon snack or like a snack after like a, like a workout or a hike. 
Uh, okay. so this, yeah. So this energize was positioned to be like, Hey, you know, if you're going to be eating this for breakfast, you know, this will help you with natural energy and, and mental focus and sort of immune support that like would be great to have for that breakfast slot. And then this recover is more that like afternoon, like evening sort of nightcap or like post work, you know, post workout where it's like, Hey, this is going to help you physically recover and kind of relax and unwind. Um, so in, in, that was our original thesis. What we, okay. Yeah, what we found is that like the so the the energized sells about three times more, um, and that consumers are just still like prefer the energized more in this afternoon setting. It's like, hey, instead of I'm trying to like unwind in the afternoon, it's like, hey, I'm almost need to like re-energize in the afternoon. I, I got that afternoon crash. I want to. I want a little pick me up. Yeah. So the okay. thesis was a little off. <laughs> um, so hey. yeah. So it is what it is, right? This you live and you learn. Hey. Um, so yeah, we're going to be in June or or July, we're going to launch actually a couple different flavors. So today we just have this like original cinnamon, uh, we're coming out with this sunflower seed cacao, um, vanilla almonds. We'll keep our cinnamon. Um, and then we're going to move to one blend of functional mushrooms that are more focused around this, like natural energy, mental focus and and immune support. Okay. So you've got a couple of new flavors coming out in a, in a slight modification of the, of the functional mushroom Mm -hmm. component of the, yeah. All right. So, wow. yeah. So, I always ask people these questions. So, these are kind of stock questions. But when you're not busy making granola and saving the world and training for an Ironman, what do you do with yourself? It's a good question, Scott. <laughs> I mean, with that 30 minutes of your day that we haven't spent for you already, I mean, what? What do you do? So you're, you're relatively new to the area. What have you found in the Seattle area that you think is pretty cool? Yeah. Um, it's funny. I found myself in this yesterday. So I really, you know, before I started training for the triathlon, I'd really gotten into biking, but mm-hmm. now like, cause I love biking in the city, but now it's like, I do that in training. So, so that is like switched from a hobby more into this training, um, right. in the spring and the fall. And I mentioned this earlier briefly as well. I love, uh, like mushroom foraging. So I really enjoy right. that and like hiking and sort of getting the outdoors. Um, so all of those are really enjoyable to me, but those are more of like leisurely, but physical activity. So again, like while I'm training, I'm really not doing a, a ton of that. Um, mm-hmm. So, for, you know, for, for me, it's like, it's like, yeah, if I'm not training or I'm not like working or, or sleeping, I've now, you know, started to get more into like cooking. Um, so I enjoy my, like I recently found, some of the um, like Pacific focused ingredients or like Asian ingredient markets that I had never really seen before. Uh, so oh, okay. I've enjoyed going there and like trying new things. Um, so that, that's sort of what I, what I've been interested in recently. Um, but yeah, I, I think once training ends, I'll like start to get some more of my hobbies back. Hopefully is the plan. Right. So you, you mentioned you like coffee, which makes you okay with me. <laughs> yeah. Where's a great place around you for coffee? Boom. Where's your, your go-to? Do you yeah. have a go-to coffee place? I really, it, I like it for coffee and like, uh, like drinks or something even. And their, their breakfast is awesome too. Have you been to good weather cafe? I have not. It's in chop house row. Okay. If you know where that is, it's, it's in Capitol Hill. It's in this sort of like back alley row. Um, okay. Awesome place. They've got great coffee, just like cool. It's, it's actually like a cycling cafe, but it's like, you don't have to be a cycler to go there and they have this great little outdoor patio um, really okay. great spot for like drinks or, but like coffee and breakfast as well. Okay. Excellent. What about you, Scott? What, where would you recommend for me? Oh boy. Wow. Oh, see. So 
what you don't know about my backstory is I, I lived on the West side most of my life of, of Washington uh-huh. and we moved over to central Washington about four years ago oh. because I wanted to get away from the traffic. Fair. So I kind of don't go back to Seattle a whole lot anymore. So anything I say to you might be, you know, was pre COVID. So I don't, sure. can't vouch for them, but some of the places over there that I really like, and this is going to sound really kind of funny <laughs> because have you ever been to Disneyland or Disney world? I've been to Disneyland. Okay. And have you ever been to Vegas? Yeah. Okay. So take the best and worst of both Disneyland and Las Vegas. Well, you know, you know, this, to me, it's like sensory overload. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. Disneyland is overwhelming. Vegas is overwhelming. Yeah. Right. And you can make a lot of bad choices in Vegas and, you know, and all those things. And then now add coffee. Okay. Okay. And that is how I describe the Starbucks roastery. Have you been to the Starbucks roastery? The one in Capitol Hill? Yeah. Yeah. So it's amazing, but it's overwhelming. Like if yeah. I lived in the city, I wouldn't go there very often. But if you if you hadn't been there, I'd say you should go check that out once. I agree. Yeah. I, I, t- I took my mom there, but keep keep going. Yeah. So to me, like I went there. I know I used to work for Starbucks many years okay. ago. And a buddy of mine and I went there and he, he he's like, he kept telling, you got to go, you got to go. I'm like, okay. So we go there and we have um, a siphon press of coffee each, two pastries. And then I had their um, whiskey barrel aged iced coffee, which was maybe the single best food I've ever had in my life. I mean, it wow. was, it was, that. it was amazing. And it was, it was absolutely like the presentation of it was, I mean, it was just awesome. Right. And you know, that was like 60 bucks worth of coffee. So that's kind of like the whole Disneyland in Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, yeah. you don't go there because it's, you know, you're, you're just going to spend what you're going to spend. But it was, it was just an absolutely um, quintessential Seattle thing to me. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the places that I've enjoyed going for coffee over there is Mabel's. I haven't heard of that one. Look it up. Um, and Mabel's is over on um, out in Ballard area. Okay. And um, my, my mind's still on this like whiskey barrel age. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was the best of coffee and whiskey. I mean, cause it had, it was served in a, in a cocktail glass with one ice cube. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was like, like having a cocktail. Yeah. And, and it, it had both the, the, the flavor and the, the aroma of both coffee and whiskey. It was awesome. awesome. It was, it was amazing. Um, wow. Now I got to go to Seattle. Um, I don't even know if they have it right now. I don't know if they have it right now. Okay. So, um, but Mabel's has, you know, vinyl, vinyl records. You can play great coffee, kind of fun, casual place. So that was one, uh, it, it, for me, this is, this is me. A, A trip to Seattle is not a trip to the Seattle area unless I go to Dick's drive in and grab a, a Dick's deluxe fries and a shake, sure. which are, you know, they're perfectly healthy. You can have them every day. I just, that to me is, you know, kind of like comfort food. That um, I agree. So For I me, back. it's like w- once every month or every other month, I'm like, it's time. Yeah. It's, it's and time. Uh, I was so excited. Um, they got a food. Dick's has a food truck now. What? I didn't so, see that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They've got a food truck and, uh, they're like, they were up in Bellingham with it. And 
and, and I'm, I, I had, they were, they were a guest on the podcast and I'm like begging them to bring it to Wenatchee. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm holding out hope that, you know, they'll come to Wenatchee um, oh. once. I don't want them to be here regularly yeah. because that would be really bad for me. <laughs> once a year, maybe. Once a year. But that's for me that in the coffee realm, that's, that's kind of what I think of. Mabel's. I haven't heard that. I was just looking up that looks cool. I just saved it. Um, yeah. I, very great. You know, always uh, great staff. Yeah. Comfortable place. Just quick question the offshoot, but Wenatchee, I mean, you're in, you're in forage central out there or sorry. Um, um, foraging central for, um, mm-hmm. for morels. If you say so, I, you know, I, I, I joke that, you know, I spend my entire life behind these computer, the computer screens and microphones. So I don't get out much. Truthfully, I explore Washington state in a, in a different way. And part of the reason the, the, the site exists is so we can talk to people who are, but I vicariously live through you guys. Um, I, but I've heard that too, from a couple other people that we've got that. And, and I will, I don't want to go down that with you because for the time constraints, yeah. but after we hit the button, I will ask you something. So because of time constraints, I want to, I want to be respectful of your time. And why don't you let our audience know where, where they can find your stuff yeah. and anything else that we, any other question that I should have asked you that I didn't go ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You can find out, you know, we're in central co-op we're in Lululemon, Leshai market, market time foods. We're in some red apples. Um, we're down, we just launched in Bristol farms down in Southern California. So not in Washington, um, but we're going to, you know, continuing to sort of launch locally in some local spots and really starting July 1st, we should be more widely available in the Pacific Northwest. Um, you know, actually in the East coast, um, like New York, Boston area, and then also down in like oh, wow. Cal- through California. Um, so we're okay. launching with, with one of the major distributors then, which, which will be exciting. Um, uh, but on our website, you know, on Amazon, uh, we, we do feed the giants, unfortunately. Um, and that's forage, right? F O R I J. So look us up. You usually can can find us. Um, yeah, check out our stuff, right? It, I'd love to hear thoughts. That we're, you know, it's got as I was mentioning, right? We're just trying to like learn. And so if people are willing to take the time to like try product and like reach out and be like, hey, this is what I think. It's like God, I will pay you to eat our products. Like I'm just curious what you think <laughs> and how we can improve, right? And and it's super valuable. Awesome. Um, so reach out. I, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll send you my email, Scott, so you can link it to the show notes, but it's just Parker okay. at forage.co F O R I J dot C O. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll put that down in the show notes. Cool. Yeah. It was, you know, definitely fun being on. If, if you guys want to come check out the tent, shoot me an email and I'll, you know, let folks check out. I'm in central district. Are we, are we having a tour a tent tours? Is that, is that on the, yeah. for free for now, Scott? For free. For now. Okay. Yeah, well, I knew you win the tours are free, and, and then they'll be they'll be charging for them. <laughs> um, well, yeah, no, it's, it was great. I'm I'm glad we really glad we connected, Scott. It's it's fun coming on and just chatting with you and kind of shooting shit. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, well, I'll let you go. Cool. Talk to you later. Yeah. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.